This morning, we're going to uh, look at another truth and consider uh, another thought uh, about the star. If you will stand with me this morning all over the room, we're going to be reading six verses of Scripture as our main text out of the book of Matthew, chapter 2, beginning with verse 1. I'll be reading from the New King James Version. They have the Christian Standard Bible on the screen. Now, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east and have come to worship him. When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled, and all Jerusalem with him. And when he had gathered all the chief priests and scribes of the people together, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. So they said to him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for thus it is written by the prophet, But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are not the least among the rulers of Judah, for out of you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. I want to preach to you this morning for a few moments. We're going to be considering the subject this morning of the star on our journey through Christmas. If you will, pray with me and for me. Father, we just thank you this morning for your presence. We thank you, Lord, today for your word. God, we just ask, Lord, that you would just anoint your word this morning. That, Father, you would just open our ears to hear your word and our hearts to receive your word. God, don't let me speak my words today, but... God, let us consider truth and, and, and let us consider what your word says and what we know to be true. God, let our hearts receive what you're speaking to us today about your direction, your leading, and your guiding in our lives. We give you the glory, the honor, and the praise in advance. In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray. And everybody said, amen. You may be seated. You may be thinking this morning the 845 crowd is a little bit down. Well, it probably is because... All of the children from NPK and ESM will be singing at the 11 o'clock service, and so that means all of those parents will be here for that service. So uh, you got lots of space in here this morning uh, for the 845. If you want to hear the children, uh, go back and watch the archive service later or, or sign on and watch at 11 o'clock this morning. They'll be singing, uh, doing a special in the service. Um, the Christmas story, as everyone knows, took place in Bethlehem. Also, Judea and Jerusalem. All three locations had uh, importance uh, about the Christmas story. Now, what we know about Bethlehem, Judea, and Jerusalem uh, is that they are located in the Middle East. And so when Jesus Christ died and he rose again, he went back to heaven and sent the Holy Ghost on the day of Pentecost and all the believers were filled. The church, as it began, was a Jewish church. You may not have known that. Our roots are actually Jewish, not as uh, Jewish congregations uh, of today, but originally our roots are Jewish. And then as the Gentiles received the gospel, that's us, but in that day as the Gentiles received the gospel and they began to write and rewrite history, a lot of that moved northward uh, and then westward from the Middle East and the gospel became westernized. And now the gospel is Americanized. And, and it's important that you understand that as we go through this this morning. And so today when 
we Americans think of the Middle East, we usually think of Jews, and we uh, probably first and foremost think of Muslims uh, and Islam, the, the religion of Islam. But there are also uh, multiplied thousands of Christian uh, Arabs uh, today, and as, as, as there were uh, many back then. But the, the Christian Arabs of today, they love Jesus, and they love the Jew. And Jews who know Jesus love Arabs and they love Palestinians. See, they don't have hatred. I'm going somewhere with this. They don't have hatred and animosity uh, with other races because they realize that through Jesus Christ, we've all been made one. Say amen, somebody. Uh, We don't have to emphasize or overemphasize any particular race of people. Uh, Can I tell you this morning that there is racial injustice on all platforms? Hello. It's not just one-sided by any means, but what we need to realize as Christians, we don't have to choose a side. Uh, We don't have to jump on the bandwagon of the most recent racial injustice platform, but what we need to realize is that we are all made one through Jesus Christ. And so when we come to the Christmas story, for hundreds of years we have read a westernized version with limited facts historically, uh, culturally, and socially. And we assume that these wise men were really old. Sometimes they're depicted as worn out, uh, decrepit uh, men who rode in on three camels who were blindly wandering around looking for a crib and a barn and trying to find this baby. But can I tell you this morning that God is greater and the scriptures are richer than that. Uh, A Christian man by the name of Ken Bailey, if you uh, want to read any books that will enlighten you uh, uh, about about truth uh, of of Jesus Christ, Uh, a a man by the name of Ken Bailey, he spent 30 years of his life living among Arabs, studying, living, eating, and developing his thoughts. And he wrote this book uh, that was entitled, Jesus Through Middle Eastern Eyes. That's the name of the book, if you're jotting it down. Jesus Through Middle Eastern Eyes. And he gave some really good insights uh, in this book that I would like for us to consider this morning in light of the scriptures. So first of all, who was Herod the king? Um, And who exactly are the wise men? If you've seen a specific star and you've come across the desert and you know the star is pointing you to the child, how in the world do you end up in Jerusalem when the baby is in Bethlehem? I want you to think about that. If you've seen that specific star and you know that the star is pointing you to the child, then how do you end up in Jerusalem when the child is actually in Bethlehem? Did somebody make a mistake? Did somebody take a wrong turn? Now, I know uh, some of you today couldn't go anywhere without your GPS. Can I get a witness? Uh, But back in the day, how many remembers the day when you went on vacation with mom and dad and they pulled out an atlas? How many remembers that? And you tried to follow the atlas, and I'll never forget sometimes, we didn't go that many places, but I'll never forget my dad getting frustrated because he was driving and my mom was supposed to be reading the atlas and she didn't understand uh, what the path was and where to go and he'd get aggravated and it would be her fault because, because they took the wrong turn. So when I was thinking about this this morning, if you end up, Uh, in Jerusalem when the baby is born in Bethlehem but you say you're supposed to be following this star did somebody make a mistake did somebody take a wrong turn or did the star 
go out and stop burning and then eventually it came back on and they found their way. I want you to just pause and hold on that thought for a minute. We'll get back to that. Also, I want you to, to realize that there were actually four Herods that we talk about in the Bible. And many people have asked, who was this Herod? This Herod the Great was the one who was having the babies, two years old and under, murdered because he felt threatened. That's who this Herod the Great was. This Herod was the one to whom the wise men came in the story. Now, there was also three other Herods. There was Herod Antipas um, who came next. He's the one that had John the Baptist beheaded. There's something with these Herods when you, when you follow their history. Uh, Herod Antipas was the one who had John the Baptist beheaded. Then there was Herod Agrippa I. He was the one who had, put, who had the apostle Peter put in jail and the apostle James killed. Then there was Herod Agrippa II. He was the one who gave Paul a lot of trouble, but he was also the one to whom Paul presented the gospel of Jesus Christ to. So who was this Herod the Great? This is the Herod in the Christmas story. First of all, he was a mixed up guy. Now, uh, a lot of people that you'll read about in scripture, if you really study, you'll find out uh, they were all mixed up and messed up. As a matter of fact, you'll find a lot of the, uh, the, the most converted people in the Bible were originally mixed up and messed up. I want to tell you something else this morning. If you ever decide that you're going to answer the call of God on your life to pastor a church, you know what you'll find out? A lot of God's people are mixed up and messed up. How many is glad that God loves mixed up and messed up people? Can I get an amen? You'll also find that sometimes you're a little mixed up and messed up yourself. I've discovered that. But first of all, he was a mixed up guy. Uh, racially, he was an Arab. Now, now think about this. Both of his parents were Arabs from uh, Idumea is where they were from. Religiously, so racially he was an Arab. Religiously, he was a Jew. Because when that country was conquered, they were forced to become Jewish in worship. Remember how I said uh, in last week's sermon, it probably astonished some of you that one of the worst things that could probably happen to our country is for somebody in government to declare that we had to be a Christian nation because then they could dictate to us exactly what denomination that Christian nation would be and we may not have the freedom to worship as we worship this morning. Well, in that time, the country was conquered. When they were conquered, they were forced to become Jewish in worship. So racially, he was an Arab. Uh, uh, religiously, he was a Jew. Culturally, he was a Greek. Now think about that. All of those things mixed up in one. He ate uh, Greek food. He had Greek thoughts. He knew and practiced Greek mythology. Now think about that. In addition to being a Jew who was also an Arab. Politically, he was a Roman. If you keep researching all these different avenues, he was somebody different. He was a, if you read the history of Herod the Great, he was a patsy uh, for Caesar. And whatever Caesar wanted done in Rome, that's what this guy uh, would do in Jerusalem. He was married ten times. Ten times. He had two sons. Now, now listen to this. This Herod the Great had two sons. He had both of them strangled to death because he thought they were trying to get his throne. Then he had his favorite wife killed. That's exactly what the commentary said. He had his favorite wife killed. The one and only one I'll ever have is my favorite. Can I hear an amen somebody? 
Um, Yeah, no. But anyway, he had his favorite wife killed because he thought she was working behind his back. Then he attempted suicide, and his bodyguard was the one that kept him alive. And shortly thereafter, he contracted several diseases and was a sick, dying man. He was a messed up guy. Herod's last words were in order for his commanding general to arrest all of the notables in the area and put them in the stadium at Jericho. And when Herod died, the general was to have all of the notables killed because Herod wanted there to be mourning all throughout the land when he died. And he was king. This man was king for 35 years. And this was the man to whom the wise men came. This was the ruler who exercised authority over the Jews. So remember that. That's who this Herod the Great was. Now, let's talk about who were the wise men. As we revisit verses 1 and 2, it says, Now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east and have come to worship him. Now, if they're in the east already, they're in the Middle East, so they're in the east already, and they've seen his star in the east, they should have gone to India. That's where they should have gone to. Uh, Because if they're in the east and they're going to Bethlehem, then uh, they're actually going west. Is that not weird? If they're in the east and they're going to travel to Bethlehem, they're actually going west. So it all gets really confusing. And, And in Israel, to add to that, In Israel, what is called the West Bank is actually on the east side of Israel. So uh, there's another confusing thing to add to it. The West Bank doesn't mean it's on the west side of Israel. It's called the West Bank because it's on the west side of the Jordan River. That's why it's called the West Bank. But the scripture tells us that these wise men said as they came to Jerusalem, here's what they asked. They said, where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east and have come to worship him. So what does this whole east thing mean? Well, in Hebrew, east also means the rising, where the sun comes up. That's what it means. Symbolically, it's equated with hope. And the New Revised Standard Version reads it this way, For we have observed his star at its rising, and we have come to worship him. See, the wise men were actually students of the planets. That's that's one of the reasons they were given the name wise men because they were students of the planets. Uh, Some think that they were a remnant of the Jews left from the Babylonian captivity because not all Jews came back to Jerusalem to rebuild the temple and the walls. Some think they were a part of the remnant of those people who were familiar with scripture. They knew the time. They saw something supernatural in the sky, something different than what they had ever noticed before. And so they jumped on their camels and they started heading toward Bethlehem. And some think that these wise men were Arabs. They were Gentiles, but they were from the Jordanian deserts that connect to the deserts of Arabia. So uh, that's all important. I'm going to tell you why in a moment. So we know what they brought. We all know this story. We've, We've heard it ever since we were kids. They brought gold, frankincense, and myrrh. We know that throughout all history, only rich people had a lot of gold. That's still true today. And history tells us that during this time period, much of the gold was mined in the deserts of Arabia. We know that they brought frankincense and myrrh. 
And we've also learned, and Darla brought it out in her message on Wednesday night, that the trees that produced these spices only grew in that part of Arabia. So here we have what we know as three wise men are actually uh, Arabs from Arabia, uh, and they're coming across the deserts with their gifts. We, we also talk about three wise men. Do you know that there is no record at all in the Bible that there were three? No record whatsoever that there were three. We don't know how many they were. The Bible just says that they brought three gifts. There's a significance about those gifts. And again, if you didn't hear Sister Darla's message Wednesday night, she did such a great job uh, bringing these out. And this may be worded slightly different from what she said, but it's exactly the same thing. They brought three gifts. First of all, they brought gold. Gold was a kingly gift. That was a gift that you brought to a king. The second thing they brought was frankincense. Frankincense was a priestly gift because the priest would burn incense and frankincense on on the altar. And thirdly, they brought myrrh, which was something that you anointed the dead with. That's what it was predominantly used for. And that was a sacrificial gift because he was a king, priest, and he was also our sacrificial lamb. Amen. And so one of the earliest commentaries on the Christmas story took place about 160 A.D. Justin Martyr, who was a church father, actually had contact with people who had contact with Jesus. The writer of this commentary actually had contact with people who had contact with the living, breathing Jesus. And Justin Martyr referred to the wise men as men who came from Arabia. And if you read any of the commentaries by the men of that day, it's clear that these wise men were not Jews. They were Gentiles from Arabia. Uh, The shepherds were Jews uh, because God came first to the Jew, right? The Bible said, and then also to the Gentile and the Greek. But he came first to the Jew and he came to the shepherds first. So God has now opened the hearts of the Jew and the Gentile alike. In 1920, uh, or in the 1920s, a British scholar named E.F.F. Bishop. And you'll not really find this anywhere except in Ken Bailey's book that, uh, that I spoke of titled Jesus Through Middle Eastern Eyes. But E.F.F. Bishop uh, Bailey writes that he visited and he lived uh, with the Bedouin tribe in Jordan, which is in the Arabian Desert. And he said the Muslim tribe bore the Arabic name Al, and I hope I say this right, al Kokabani. Now, the word Kokab means planet, and al Kokabani means those who study and follow the stars or the planets. And EFF Bishop asked the elders of the tribe why they call themselves by such a name. And here's what they said. They replied it was because their ancestors followed the planets and they traveled west to Palestine to show honor to the great prophet Jesus when he was born. That's what they said. So we know that the wise men came from the east to Jerusalem. We know that they were very scholarly. They were students of the planets and the stars. They weren't amateurs. They knew exactly what they were doing. So so listen, stay with me. They knew what they were doing. They knew how to study the stars and and the planets and follow those signs for direction. Uh, They were very smart. But how did they end up in Jerusalem if the star was leading them to Bethlehem? These wise men were not wandering around and lost. They were men of royalty. They were men of power. And they were men of wealth. And what you often don't hear about them is is that some of uh, history has concluded that they were the same men that appointed and anointed kings. 
they were, they were royal, famous men. And men of this caliber and men of this nature never traveled alone. So they weren't out there just wandering around by themselves. Did you know that each one of them, a man of this caliber, of this royalty, of this scholarly, and this notable in this time, each one of them, all commentators that I could find would say, they won't give you a specific number, but they would say they would travel with as many as 500 personal attendants each. Can you imagine? Attending to their every need. So this adds a lot to what the scripture said and explains something we're going to talk about in a minute. So if they were coming across a thousand miles of desert, they would also need to have the appropriate animals to carry the water, to carry the food for them and their attendants. They would also need goats for milk and people to care for those animals. And they would need to have uh, those attendants to take care of, of all of the animals and these wealthy men. So now, do you understand why the word said in Matthew 2 and 3, Herod the king was troubled and all Jerusalem with him. That's what the word says. When Herod the king heard this, when he heard about the wise men, because he heard about not just the wise men, but all of their attendants uh, that were coming in. See, the watchman of the wall, uh, on the wall in that day looked out. And when he looked out, he saw as many, most commentators say, as a thousand to 1,500 people that were heading toward Jerusalem. Uh, it was a caravan of all kinds of people, all kinds of animals, camels, sheep, and these three men who were being carried on these great, big, expensive, uh, luxurious carriages. So all of Jerusalem was watching. See, Herod the Great was a very, remember, he was a very intimidated, uh, insecure guy. He killed his children because he thought they were coming after the throne. And he, he put other people to death and he wanted everybody uh, to mourn when he died. So he wanted to kill, multiply thousands at the same time when he died. So when all of Jerusalem watched as this caravan was entering the city and then the word was carried on to Herod, the Bible says that Herod was disturbed and all of Jerusalem with him. He was intimidated. And uh, somebody may say, where do you get that there was 1,000 to 1,500 people? One of the commentators wrote about this. He says, where in Scripture is that? Let's look at what uh, the prophet Isaiah said in Isaiah chapter 60, verses 1 through 7. Here's what he said. Arise, shine, for your light has come. This was prophetic of, of the birth of Jesus. For the glory of the Lord is risen upon you. For behold, the darkness shall cover the earth, and deep darkness the people. But the Lord will arise over you, and His glory will be seen upon you. The Gentiles shall come to your light. Here it is in Scripture. And kings to the brightness of your rising. These three wise men. Lift up your eyes, or, or these wise men, how many there were, all around and see. They all gather together. They come to you. Your sons shall come from afar, and your daughters shall be nursed at your side. Then shall you see and become radiant, and your heart shall swell with joy. Because the abundance of the sea shall be turned to you, the wealth of the Gentiles shall come to you. The multitude of camels shall cover your land. It's all prophetic here. The dromedaries of Midian and Ephah and all those from Sheba shall come. That's all of these people coming. They shall bring gold, here it is in the prophecy, and incense. And they shall proclaim 
the praises of the Lord. All the flocks of Kedar shall be gathered together to you. The rams of Neboeth shall minister to you. They shall ascend with acceptance on my altar. And I will glorify the house of my glory. See, 500 years before Jesus was born, Isaiah gave this prophecy uh, about the light that was going to arise in the darkness and the children of the Gentiles would come from afar and kings and priests uh, and all, all kinds of animals would bring wealth and they would bring gold and incense, the Bible said. And after the wise men had inquired about the, this birth of the new Jewish king, Herod was troubled. And he called the chief priests and the scribes of the people together and he questioned them about where the Christ was to be born. Let's look at verse 5 and 6 again. So they said to him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for thus it is written by the prophet, But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are not the least among the rulers of Judah. For out of you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. After hearing this, uh, in verse 7, Then Herod, when he had secretly called the wise men, determined from them, what time the star appeared. So from the religious leaders, he found out where. And from the wise men, he found out when. Now watch this in verse 8. And he sent them to Bethlehem and he said, Go and search carefully for the young child. And when you have found him, bring back word to me that I may come and worship him also. Now we all know worshiping Jesus is not what he wanted to do. Verse 9. When they heard the king, they departed. And behold, the star which they had seen in the east went before them till it came and stood over where the young child was. And when they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceedingly great joy. Do you catch that? The star led them first to Herod, but then where Jesus safely was, they saw the star shining and they followed the star to where Jesus was because the last thing Herod wanted to do was worship Jesus. Do you hear me this morning? So you may say, how did the wise men uh, end up where they ended up? Because see, now they could see the star again. Somehow before, they couldn't get good directions or good bearing and that star some way somehow led them to Jerusalem first. They thought, listen to your pastor this morning, this is where I'm going with this whole perception of the star they thought that they ended up in the wrong place but let me tell you something this morning they were not lost they were being led I said they were not lost they were being led if the Jewish leaders knew the Messiah was to be born in Bethlehem and they had now heard that his star appeared and, they, and why did they not go with the wise men if the Jewish leaders of the day knew that the Messiah was going to be born in Bethlehem, and they now heard that his star had appeared, why didn't they go with the wise men? I want to tell you why. Because it is simply a picture of the human race. Because the human race, even in today's time, would rather be slaves of sin than servants of righteousness. As much as they hated Herod, they had learned to accept their life under his rule. At least they had their temple... And they had their traditions. That's what I'm talking about this Christmas. Not one single religious leader said, may I go with you. And I want you to notice that nobody in Herod's palace went. Nobody. Nobody in Herod's palace went with them. The same wise men that came from the deserts far away were the only ones who said, all right, it's time to move on and move forward and find this child. I want to tell you this morning again, 
if you're following the light, how, or I want to ask you again, how do you end up in Jerusalem when you meant to go to Bethlehem? If you are doing what you ought to do, and in your great desire in this life to know God, and you are obeying Him, and you end up in a bad place with bad people who are making bad decisions, when all you really wanted to do was just kneel at the crib of the Savior. Did you miss it? Did you miss it? Was it a mistake? Did the light go out? Have you ever scratched your head and wondered, how did I get here? How did I find myself in this situation? See, all of us have started on a journey at times knowing where we want to go, right? Only to end up having the light get so dim. Anybody ever started following out in your quest to follow what you thought the Lord was leading you to do in some way, somehow you started on that journey, but before you ever got there, it's almost like the light got dim and went out. And you wonder what happened. Have I missed it? Have you ever scratched your head and said, have, have I missed the will of God? Have we missed the will of God? Have you ever repented? I have and said, God, if I missed your will on this, I'm sorry. I repent. But see, the light, His light, didn't go out then and it doesn't go out now. Jesus said in John chapter 8 and verse 12, I am the light of the world. The psalmist wrote in Psalms 119 and 105, Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. See, the light does not go out. This light never diminishes. It never gets any darker, but here's what happens. Sometimes the fog grows in and you just can't see as clearly. We're living in a different house now and I've learned one thing about Sweet Hollow. It gets foggy over there in that hollow. But we're up on the hill. And so sometimes in the mornings I look down and you can't even see the houses below for the fog. Isn't that the way it is sometimes when you're following Jesus? I feel my help this morning. Sometimes you think, boy, I know exactly what God's word said for me to do. I know exactly how God is leading and guiding. But for some way, somehow, sometimes you get up some mornings and your feet hit the floor and it just seems like the fog has rolled in and you just can't see things clearly. And sometimes the light seems so dim that you don't know what to do. And you feel like you find yourself, you ended up in a place that you never thought you would end up. And then you cry and all you know to do is say, where is God? Where is He? And, and then and, and they don't know, this world doesn't know how to tell you where He is. You can't go looking for other people to tell you where He is. You've got to stop living your life always trying to find a word from somebody else or trying to find a prophet somewhere else or trying to find somebody to give you direction. You've got to get to the place in your life when the fog grows in that you bury yourself in His light, in the Word, and you digest it and allow Him to lead you. Because this world doesn't know how to get you where you need to be. But don't you ever make for a mistake that they don't know where he is. It was Herod who finally said, 
Go to Bethlehem and you'll find him. I'm going somewhere with this this morning. We've got a world around us that's not supposed to be leading us. We're supposed to be leading them. But yet they know where he is. They know how to find him. But they're watching a church that's laying back that's saying, I don't know where he is. I don't know what's, oh, help me this morning, Holy Ghost. I don't know what's right, and I don't know what's wrong. I've got to shy away from this. I've got to shy away from that. I've got to be silent on this topic and silent on that topic. Don't you think for one second, while the world is looking through the, while the church is looking through the fog, that the world is not sitting out there saying, wait a minute, it's written in the Word. We know what the Word says. We know where He's at. We know how that that works. But yet the church is wandering around aimlessly lost we went to a cruise several years ago, Nicholas you can come to the music please and uh, sometimes when I feel the Lord I sound hateful, can I just say that, I don't mean to sound hateful get to the music I didn't mean to sound that way that's why I stopped and said please but anyway we were in New Orleans we were getting ready to go on a cruise and um we decided we would just, you know, take a stroll, take a little foot tour around New Orleans. And uh, it was only about 110 degrees in the shade. And um, we didn't really know what we was looking for. We was looking for a place to eat, but we didn't, we didn't get on, you know, you can do those maps when you're on foot on your phone and you can do all kinds of things. We didn't do any of that. And finally, um, Karen and Dennis were with us. And uh, Karen just asked the question. She said, are we just going to continue to wander around aimlessly? Because when she turned around, the back of her shirt was just wet all the way down with sweat. Like I said, it's only about 110 degrees, and we were just walking around and didn't have a clue where we were going. I know, that, I know that's funny. That's the way we look to the world sometimes. We're supposed to know the road map. We're supposed to know the light. And sometimes even us are wandering around aimlessly. Now there's two perceptions to that. Sometimes your Heavenly Father will allow you to end up in a place that you wouldn't have chosen so that you'll keep asking, keep searching, keep praying. But see, it's not, it is never just about you. Don't ever forget that. It's never just about you. Had those wise men not ended up in Jerusalem that whole city would have never known there wouldn't have been a a stir the religious leaders would not have been shaken up God how I wish the Lord would shake up the religious leaders in our country today Herod would not have been angry oh how I prayed that we would be a church that makes the enemy angry again He don't get angry with us anymore because we don't ever rock his boat. How I wish we would be a church, the church, that would make the enemy angry again. See, what they thought was a mistake in their travel actually became an evangelistic crusade. Here's what the Word says in Psalms 37. I didn't give you this one, but it says, The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. He delights in his way. Though he fall, it doesn't say you won't fall. But it says, though he fall, 
he shall not be utterly cast down. For the Lord upholds him with his hand. I'm so thankful our Christian experience is not based on our ability to do everything right. It's based on his goodness that was given to us in Jesus. Maybe the wise men ask one another, how did we get to Jerusalem? How did we end up here? Are we really that bad? I thought we had calculated this according to the stars and we know what we're doing. How did this happen? Sometimes you can do all the right things. You can make all the right plans. I don't know why I'm getting emotional this morning. But you can still end up in the wrong place. But it's not a defeat. You're not finished. You're not done for. You're just being led by God. You went looking for the Savior yourself. But because of where you ended up, somebody else heard about him. Evangelizing without even knowing. I can imagine those wise men, what are we doing here? I can imagine the other people, what are they doing here? Somebody else says, well, they're looking for an anointed king. They say he's our king. We're Jews. Those Arabs said they've come to find our king and they've come to worship him. So one thing you can guarantee is those Jews got in the scriptures. They started discussing him. Before you know it, all conversation throughout Jerusalem was about the star. About the Messiah. About Bethlehem. And about what Isaiah had said 500 years before. See, God uses what we sometimes think is a strategic error to create a mighty outreach. The Apostle Peter gave some directions about this in 2 Peter 1 and 19. He said, And so we have a prophetic word confirmed, which you do well to heed as a light that shines in a dark place until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts. What was Peter saying? Peter was saying sometimes it's dark. Sometimes it looks like the sun's gone down. But you still have a light. That's what I came to tell somebody this morning. Sometimes it looks like it's dark. Sometimes it looks like in your life the sun's gone down. But you still have a light. And this light will never go out. So just keep asking. Just keep praying. Just keep believing. Go back to the one who called you and say, Lord... You started me on this journey. And you can take me to where I'm supposed to be. Just trust and obey and pray. And I promise you. That's what we see the wise men doing here. And I promise you, when you do, one day the light's going to come back on. And you're going to end up right where God wanted you. If you'll stand with me all over the house this morning. I want to share this with you and I'm going to close I guess one of the reasons that the house of 21 years that we sold is so sentimental to me 
is because I have so many memories of the Lord meeting with me there. And see, had it been my plan, you wouldn't be seated here today because there would be no Freedom Point Church. It would have never started. But at that point in my life, found myself somewhere that I began to ask the Lord what is it you want me to do then when the Lord spoke to me laying on my face in the floor in our upstairs bonus room I thought uh uh God I can't do that I don't want to do that and I remember when I got up from the floor both sides of my face I thought I had ruined the carpet because we had this off white carpet in that bonus room and on both sides it was soaked with tears but I remember getting up out of that floor and I said okay God if this is what you want I'll do it can I tell you has it always been easy Pastor Sean? No to be real honest with you it's not easy right now See, I get to know about all of these things with people that you don't know about. And I'm not complaining, the Lord knows. But sometimes there are things that just break my heart. And I don't know what to do about them except give them to Him. Things with people that I wished I could fix, but I can't. Has it always been easy? No. But here's what I can tell you. Every once in a while, I see that light on. And I know I'm right where God intended for me to be. But guess what? So are you. And so sometimes, we all have dreams that seem to be crushed. But maybe that's because God has something better for us. We always choose inferior things for ourselves, but God says... I love you too much to let you have what you want. I'm going to give you what I want for you. So I just want to leave you with this this morning, and then I'm not really going to make a specific invitation today. If you want to slip on a mask and come pray in this altar, I invite you to do that. If you want to pray at your seat, I invite you to do that. If you're at home, I invite you to pray with us. But I just want to leave you with this this morning. If you feel like you started out to Bethlehem just to be with Jesus but you found yourself in Jerusalem at the foot of a foul mouth Herod in a bad situation with bad people and you look around and you say how did I get here I want you to know this very familiar passage of scripture Romans 8 28 says and we know all things work together for good to those who love God, do you love Him this morning? To those who are the called according to His purpose, we know that all things, no matter what it is, the only question you got to ask yourself is, do you love Him? And are you called according to His purpose? I want to tell you this morning, He loves you. And this whole Christmas journey It's about God's love 
for this world. His light is still shining. For all of those that are in search of a Savior, it's still shining. But also for those of us that sometimes find ourselves in a place we don't really understand how we ended up, it's still shining to lead us exactly where He wants us to be. Father, I thank You this morning for Your Word. I thank You, God, that You are our director. You order every single one of our steps. So God, that even this morning when we may find ourselves in Jerusalem and feel like you're far away in Bethlehem, God, I thank you for your word that speaks to us, that can lead us right to where you are. God, we thank you for your word today. And I pray, Lord, that you would strengthen and encourage your people this Christmas season. But Lord, I also pray if there's anybody whether in this room or under the sound of my voice that doesn't know you as their personal Savior, God, let them see that star shining so brightly. Lord, this morning or this evening or whenever they may watch this video, let them see that star shining so brightly that will lead them right to the foot of your cross. I thank you for the simplicity of salvation. Simply admitting that we're a sinner in need of a Savior. Believing that you sent your son Jesus to live on this earth. To die on a cross for the forgiveness of our sins. But not only that. To, be, to resurrect and be raised from the dead three days later. Conquering, defeating sin, death, hell and the grave. We thank you for the simplicity of the gospel. That if we just believe and confess. That we can receive him as our Savior. And Lord I pray this morning for your people. Lord that may find themselves in a dark place that may be trying to look through the fog this morning. Let them see your star shining, leading, guiding and directing them to exactly where you want them to be. We thank you today. In the name of Jesus.